How's everybody doing? Well, it's a blessing. It's an honor to be here in Faith Life Church, Sarasota. Wow, what a blessing. And uh, we just want to say thank you to this church, to the ministry, for uh, being a partner with us. And uh, you guys have been a, just a tremendous blessing to us financially. That children's home uh, just really put us over the top in Nepal for that. And uh, man, we just are, we've got some things that we just want to share with you about our ministry, kind of testimonies, let you know what you've been hooked up with and um, the fruit that you guys have. Uh, you're, you're touching a lot of places in the world. I'm just amazed at how God's using Brother Moore just to go into other nations. This is a missions-minded church. Amen. And so we believe we have a part to uh, just fan the flames that are already going here. I mean, there's a whole lot going. But we'll kind of breeze some. We'll fan the flames a bit. And I just believe God's got more for us as the body of Christ. As we're getting closer to the fulfillment of Jesus' words, that every tribe, kindred, and tongue, every nation will know, have a witness of Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, go ahead and have a seat. This is my beautiful wife, Sue. We have two kids. And um, they're, they're kids. They're grown. But they're still our kids. And um, we're next Friday, we'll have been married 34 years. Is that right? 34? So... I know, I know she just looked 34, but, uh, um, but uh, we're so, um, so thankful. Um, Brother Keith has been, you know, go back to Rhema. How many of you had him as a teacher, as an instructor at Rhema? Is anybody here with me? Joe back there. He, he taught this, this class called Submission and Authority. And we would go in and our toes would be so sore from him stepping on it because he was nailing us with some stuff that really, you know, we needed to hear about pride and, you know, how, how we're confronted uh, with the Word of God to submit to God and to His Word and to people. And uh, But I, He has been a voice in, in our life all these years and uh, impartation. And we felt really directed of God that we needed to stay hooked up with Him because there was stuff uh, in this ministry that we needed to fulfill what God has called us to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we needed stuff that we didn't even know we needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, God will hook you up with people. Sometimes the answer to prayer is that He'll hook you up with people. He'll give you a supply uh, for the people that... Um, will connect you to God's plan and purpose. And um, so I just wanted to just kind of give you, maybe some of you are not familiar with us, but um, there was a project this uh, this week. Um, uh, the Caminetti is in, in Australia. Uh, Patsy is my older sister. And so Patsy and, and uh, Brother Keith go back to the prayer and healing school and working with Brother Hagen. And I, I still have, uh, remember a cassette tape. I don't know if you, some of you may have remember the cassettes, so it puts it way back there, right? But um, Brother Keith and Patsy sang at uh, one of the Wednesday night services, and it was a masterpiece of songs that they had both written. They would play on the piano, play the guitar. They were singing a duet. Man, it, I, I just wore that thing out. And now the thing's not on CD or anything. I, that's just a bummer. But um, uh, their family, uh, you know, our family has been connected with, with them. And they've been such a support to us. And, and um, I just wanted to let you know my, my parents, uh, Bill and Ginger Beerman, um, we're such recipients of the kindness of Brother Keith over the years, and we're so thankful for that. Um, Mom and Dad uh, just went recently went home to be with the Lord, and uh, they had started what was called Beerman Ministries, and we have Mission of Life that tags along with that. But um, 
dad was an assembly god pastor and uh, he pastored for about 30 years and then he retired and then refired into missions and the thing about missions was missions was always in our house it was in our church we'd have missionaries we have mission uh, missionaries come into our house we uh, just rub shoulders with missionaries and it you know, for us to be involved in missions today, it's not something we do. It's just something we are. It's who we are. And uh, I believe really that, you know, the spirit of missions is really Jesus. Jesus was our first missionary, right? Uh, in, the, in the new covenant, he demonstrated to us, you know, a cross-cultural, going to different people. He came to us, you know, as the son of God. But... Uh, and so we we um, share, I think, the very spirit of Jesus. I, when I say it, I'm not saying that we're any different than any of us that are here today. You know, our family wasn't particular to to any special calling. I think missions is in the church. Yeah, Amen. And so, um, mom and dad refired into missions. They started Beerman Ministries and they started traveling. They started going all over the, the world, uh, Bible schools, conferences, and um, started being kind of mentors and fathers to, to younger missionaries who were um, serving all over. And it was such a neat uh, calling that he had. And so about nine years ago, Sue and I had been pastoring a church for about 17 years in Wisconsin, a church that we had planted. We started hearing a nudging of some change, that we were going to have a transition. And at first, we resisted it. We didn't think it was God. Get behind me, Satan. Have you ever heard something like that? And You know, you don't think it's God. But as we prayed and things kind of came together, we found that that, uh, we were going to transition and take over the ministry that they had started. And um, we, as we prayed on that and we... We really pressed into God. It became something that was very exciting to us. And uh, so we moved back to Colorado from Wisconsin. We took over the ministry. He handed that off. You know, in a relay race, when you're running in a relay, there's a, there's a, a zone that you have to pass the baton off. And in transition in ministry, you know, there's a zone. And you can do it too early or you can do it too late. Uh, but we felt like we did it right in that zone. It was just in the right timing. We took the baton. They slowed down right after that, and we sped up. We expanded on some things. And um, what a blessing. One of the things that we just wanted to share with you was um, one of the focuses that he had since the 70s was the nation of Nepal. India and Nepal predominantly Hindu countries, and there's Buddhists, Muslims as well. But um, he started going in there back when it was it was rough to be a Christian. We, and, closed. and closed. It was illegal to share the gospel. And, and uh, we know pastors who got put into prison. It's very, it could be a very hostile environment for Christians. And um, so we, he started going there and Boy, he loved it, and he just kept going and kept going and kept going. He started doing other things. We got the, the children's home going with the Caminettis, which Brother Moore um, sewed into, and, and uh, families that, um, that uh, could no longer support their kids and orphans. These kids would come into this home, and um, buildings bought and paid for. Talk about ownership. That was one of the themes of this um, we have our own home there so we're really thankful for that uh, but uh, he started doing medical camps and working with so many different people isn't it good to work with different people um, we started seeing things like um, several denominations working together to reach into places that had never heard the gospel and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning but um This stuff is something that was given to us in the transition of this ministry was was Nepal. And uh, so his friends became our friends. Um, 
the focus, the, the strategy of missions became ours. And, uh, man, it was um, something that we just wanted to show you. There's a video that we have that kind of encapsulates just Nepal. We're doing other work in other countries, but we wanted to show this video. Is that ready to go? There I am. Did that last part make you a little dizzy going down the driving? That's how it is there. The first couple times there, I was like, whoa, I had to close my eyes because the traffic just kind of does this and they just find their way. (laughs) But it's getting better. Every year we go back, they're getting a little bit more organized, it seems like. Um, But we just want to thank you again so much. Uh, I have, well, we're, well, we just finished with the children's home thing. Is there a picture of that? No, no. no. not the kids. Yeah. Okay. All right. I know we have some last minute pictures we kind of snuck in there, but um, we are so blessed. So I want to thank you, uh, Faith Life Church, for everything you did in having the pastors, ministers come. You served us so well. We just feel so refreshed, so built up to go out. Every year when we come, you know, in the midst of busyness, I I know it's always going to be good, but I'm always surprised that first night. I'm like, I so needed to be here and needed that, that just the boost and the infilling for, you know, when we go out. So thank you guys so much. I wish I could give every single one of you a hug. <laughs> and and we're so grateful for the opportunity for you as a church family to get to know some of those that you are um, helping and partnering with. And we so appreciate that partnership, uh, not only the finances, but your prayers as we go. As, as Scott said, you know, Nepal is a nation that still has an anti-conversion law. And so there are, there are times that it can be a little dangerous and we have to be really mindful of those things as we're there. So we're, we're so appreciative of your prayers. We know that where the Lord leads, he, um, 
protects. And so if you're ever thinking about us in the middle of the night, pray. <laughs> we, we might need, we might be in a little sticky situation. Um, so I just want to just give you a little background on Scott and I so that you can, uh, know us a little bit better and what we do. Um, so Scott and I met at Rama Bridal Training Center, like a lot of people do. <clears throat> Thank God, right? We both were in the missions and both had that same heart. Um, I came from an Irish Catholic background uh, before I went to Rama, but um, and Scott grew up as a PK. But we are so thankful that the Lord connected us there and that we had the same heart. Um, for missions. And I remember when I was younger, having, when I was newly spirit filled at 19, having maps all over my floor and different Bible translations and just the world, you know, the, the heart for the world was just, uh, the Lord had put in my heart for as long as I can remember. And so we're so, we feel so honored to be able to be doing what we're doing. Um, and going the places that we're going. So, uh, we, we, the Lord called us to pastor in my home state, which that was like a head scratcher for me when we first went there because we thought we're called to missions. And now we see the Lord's wisdom and we're so grateful for, uh, Brother Keith while we were in school. So, uh, he with, with the other instructors, they're really instilled in us the importance of following, hearing from the Holy Spirit and following him. And we're, we're so grateful for that training. Uh, you'll never be sad when you follow the Holy Ghost, right? He sees ahead and knows what's before you, sees the things that we don't. And he, he did with us. And so now we minister to pastors. So we, are so grateful for that experience. It was such a sweet season in our life. We loved pastoring in my home state, and we got, like, extra time with my family, and uh, my whole family is there, and our kids loved growing up there. So when he called us when we were about 50 for that transition, it wasn't the same as stepping out in faith when you're 20. <laughs> and But God has shown himself faithful and faithful again, and we're so thankful that we stepped out in faith um, and, and how Brother Keith and your church were one of our first supporters when we stepped out in God's new direction for us without any commitment of any kind of funding. But the Lord just brought it all together. So we're so thankful to you all for that. And uh, so the Lord gave us a few words as we were stepping out in this new transition. And one of them was that he was going to divinely connect us with people that had a supply that we needed. Uh, Ephesians 4.16 has always been one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible. Uh, the body of Christ is so precious. We just love each and every one of you. Every member of the body of Christ is precious and valuable. Amen. And, um, so, uh, we're just so thankful for the supply that every joint has to give and to receive. And, uh, so, um, as we come together, we, we give those. And, and Scott and I are so blessed with that you guys are so kingdom minded. And, uh, here at the church and, and brother Keith and Phyllis are so kingdom minded and we love that, that there's no denominational boundaries. You know, we just love each other, right? We're all on the same team trying to advance the kingdom of heaven. Well, on the mission field, we do, uh, a lot of, uh, working with other organizations and ministries. And so the Lord connected us, um, as we walked out divinely in, uh, a church service in Colorado. So we moved from Wisconsin to making our home base with Scott's mom and dad in Buena Vista, Colorado, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of beautiful nowhere, <laughs> in the mountains. And uh, I, I've never had a panic attack in my life, but I woke up in the middle of the night the first week we were there going, oh my gosh, there's nothing open. Everything closes like at 
seven o'clock at night. We were used to being a little closer to a city. <laughs> but um, so anyways, the Lord divinely connected us uh, with an organization called the AIMS, Accelerated International Mission Strategies, and a, a, a wonderful missiologist, Dr. Howard Fultz, um, who just had such a passion uh, was a professor at Regent University for 25 years for uh, for the the lost and especially those that have never heard the gospel and that have never had opportunity because where they live. And so his heart was for the 1040 window area. And he just burned with passion for that, the heart of the Father for those that have no access to the gospel. So... Um, he we he just downloaded and mentored Scott and I, and and that was really something that was with us that he just added, and and so the Lord has made that kind of our passion, um, to the similar to Dr. Fultz's of reaching uh, those in the area that we call the 1040 window. Do we picture. do we have that picture? I know that was one of the last ones of the map. Yes, thank you. So this is what missiologists call this the 1040 window because of its uh, where it lays on the map, 10 degrees um, uh, above the equator to 40. And um, so that imaginary line, not imaginary, you see it there, but it in, encapsulates uh, where 83% of those that have never heard the gospel live in this part of the world. And so why so many? We see that the areas that it is showing, and you see the colors, is because they have been held captive under uh, false religions. And so we see um, Islam, Hindu, uh, communism, and Hinduism. And so these religions are actually hostile to the gospel. And so... Uh, so the Lord put it on our heart for, to focus on these areas of the world. And Nepal being right in between India and China, they're a um, small little nation, 33 million people. And, of course, you all know that it's the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. And uh, so the terrain there and the travel is very it's very small but it's very large because you've got all these mountains and things to go over there and um so uh so this has become our focus i i just want to share with you a few um statistics and if we could show that picture that would be really great too there is a website uh called joshuaproject.net joshuaproject.net and if I can just tell them to you if we don't have that one, the other one with the stats. If you don't have it, I'll just say, and if you want, you could write it down. Uh, this is such a great resource for the body of Christ. Uh, it, every day it has a picture and statistics of an unreached people group. So an unreached people group is different than an unevangelized so, like, just the difference here in America, we have lots of unevangelized people, but they could turn on the TV and see a Christian show. They could turn on the radio in the car and hear a Christian program. They could walk into Walmart and get a Bible or see a Bible or Christian books. They have access. So the thing that differentiates is unreached people group that we refer to or missiologies refer to have no access no churches, no stores that have Christian books. They may have never have even heard of a Christian, let alone Jesus. Uh, and they haven't. Many of them haven't. Uh, so, so here's the stats. You can look up joshuaproject.net. They also have an app. You can pray daily for an unreached people group, which is just an amazing resource for us as the church. Uh, because prayer makes the way, right? So as we pray, God makes inroads to those people. But these, buckle your seatbelts, hold on, because these stats just um, always amaze me. First of all, we have 8 billion people alive on the earth today. 
We have never had 8 billion people alive at one time on the earth ever in our history. Ever. Isn't that crazy? It still just boggles my mind. Just think, um, Scott and I are nearing 60, and when we were kids, the population of the world was half of what it is today. So if that just kind of gives you a little perspective, less than 200 years ago was the very first time that we went over a billion people alive at one time on the earth. So there's a great big harvest out there. So there also is 17,000 people groups in the world today, 17,000. Out of that 17,000, there are still 7,000 that are in that category of unreached people groups. So our mantra scripture has been Matthew 24:14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to every nation. That word nation means ethnos in the Greek, which is people group. So we have 17,000 plus people groups alive in the world today, 7,400, something like that, are still in the unreached category, 83% of those being in that area of the world, um, northern Africa, Asia, area of the world. And so that has become our focus. And then see that the rest of that scripture says, and then shall the end come. Wow, (laughs) we can actually see it with the technology that we have today with um, uh, websites like Joshua Project that are taking um, all those stats, and uh, it's wonderful. We're getting close, church. And um, so, praise the Lord. Um, Another uh, uh, phrase that we use a lot is that we are, um, our heart is to empower the church to take the gospel where it has not gone before. And so uh, we work with indigenous pastors and believers in these areas. And uh, so I just want to share one testimony with you of um, the wisdom of God and how he directed us uh, working with Dr. Fultz over in Nepal. So we did a conference called Harvest Connection. And um, so many of these people are starting to come to know the Lord in these countries, but discipleship is a great need. And so um, a lot of what we do is discipleship when we go over. And, and we meet with the leaders and the pastors. And so we did Harvest Connection, which was just really showing the, the biblical basis of missions, the heart of the Father. So it was a four-day training. And we gathered about 140 uh, pastors and leaders from Nepal in in the east of Nepal. And there was eight different denominations amongst them, all working together for the king, which is beautiful. And so after the, well, during the training, what we do is um, just take them through the Bible on missions. And we say, hey, God's called you to do missions work and be a missionary. And so we help them to see how they can do it without any dependence on us. So we help them to be self-sufficient. So they gathered, after our training, they gathered 30 missionaries from their nine different denominations, and then they trained them, and they focused or they picked five unreached people groups in one of the third highest uh, mountain areas in the world, Teplajung. Is, did I say that right? No? Kuchinjunga. <laughs> say that five times. <laughs> Kuchinjunga is the third highest mountain there in the world, and it's on the east. But they picked five unreached people groups in that area. And then they had their churches praying for them. And, you know, following the direction of the Holy Spirit, what is their need in these in these villages? And one thing about Nepal is that the villagers usually don't really leave their village. And so they can tend to just kind of keep to themselves. Well, so they sent out their team 
and they did evangelism and then sometimes they'll do um, where they give out uh, school supplies or, you know, they find a natural need and then they meet it. And so they went out and did five uh, deals of evangelism in those five different areas and 200 people came to the Lord and were bat- water baptized in that very first outing and they planted five new churches in each of those areas. Hallelujah. We were so excited to get that report because they it was like the training that we do. It's like the Lord builds us fire and just gives Scott and I a match. And we just light them up and um, equip them and help them to go and do it. And so we have a brother that has one of our leaders in the East, Namwell. And if we could show those pictures... He sends us pictures. I love Namwal. He caught the vision so much that he is training especially young people. And then he takes them on these treks, and um, they are planting new churches. So this is actually a picture of Scott at one of our medical missions praying for this uh, man who couldn't hear. And he actually got healed just right after this. Met Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And uh, let's go ahead and go to the next one. This is one of our trainings that we do with the pastors. And uh, they're excited, you can see. And let's go ahead and go to the next one. This is a, a medical mission outreach that we did. And we always work with the Nepalis so that we have bases that um, the newly saved people can get plugged into. Uh, We love our Nepali team. They're beautiful people. Let's go to the next one. And this is some of the terrain that we travel, (laughs) along with the donkey train going over the, we call it the Rambo Bridge. (laughs) How many of you would ever want to go over the Rambo Bridge? Our kids come, and when they were 12, they were on that bridge swinging it for everybody. That was going by. They did not appreciate that. And you can go ahead and go to the next one. And this is our brother Nemwell on the left here, water baptizing. And wherever they can find water. I mean, we have stories of going into water tanks on tops of roofs, getting tarps, and then just holding up the edges and filling it with water. Um, Dirty little ponds or wherever they can find water. Go ahead and go to the next one. And there's another group there in the mountains getting water baptized. Don't you love that? New life in Christ. And in Hinduism, there's over 330 million gods. And so they know that when they come to, when they receive Jesus, that he is the only one. And that they denounce all those other gods and live for him. And go ahead and go to the next one. That might be it. Is that it? That was it. Okay. So uh, during COVID, Namwell and the other, uh, our other workers over there planted 33 churches. <laughs> Hallelujah. So even though they were really locked down in the city, it wasn't so much out in the, in the uh, more remote areas, and they just went and preach the gospel <laughs> and planted churches. So we're so grateful. It's really two, Second Timothy 2.2. So it's, um, you know, empowering the indigenous people, and they are so loved doing what they're doing. They're so fired up. And so it's just a joy to be with them. Uh, we also uh, do dynamic church planting, international training, which really goes along with, Uh, the other, the Harvest Connection training that we're doing. And uh, we're excited. We'll be um, going to Nepal in next month. And then we'll be going to Turkey to do uh, Dynamic Church Planting International there with a group of Iranians. And so the Lord is opening the the door to the Middle East for us as well. And so thank you, guys. We love you. And it's an honor for us to be with you this morning. Yeah, we'll see that. Okay. So we've got just a little time. I just want to encourage you with some word. Um, 
I really believe that we're to be connected to the harvest. She mentioned this program called Harvest Connection. And um, really, every believer needs to be connected. You don't necessarily have to buy a, a ticket and go over to Asia or some remote place. There's, there's different people and callings, and, but everybody can pray. Everybody can give. And we can all be engaged. We can all have a heart for it. I think that's so important to just see what a mass of people that's in the 1040 window. And yeah. you know what? A lot of those people have come to the United States. And so um, they're still unreached uh, as far as, you know, um, not knowing Jesus. But now there's churches. Now there's, you know, maybe God brought them here, you know, to so that their, their people group could get reached. Right. Amen? Yes. And we, you know, I, I know sometimes it can be troubling seeing maybe... Uh, immigration and how things are coming, you know, people are coming from all over the world. You know, we should look at it with the kingdom eyes. Nothing's too difficult for God. It's not, nothing is taking God off by, off, uh, off guard, you know, and, um, you know, that's too big for Him. No, God's got a plan. And it's the nations of the world. And so Jesus, you know, He looked on the multitudes and He was moved with compassion. That's what we need to be, is moved with compassion. And, you know, as we do this, God can use us. And, and so, uh, no matter who you are today, God's got a plan for you, and it's connected to the harvest. Amen. You know, when Jesus was moved with compassion, He said this, He said, Pray the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth labors into His field. He said the, the harvest is plentiful, it's so big, but the laborers are few. You know, and then He gave us a directive. The Lord, the head of the church, he said, pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth labor. So we can all do that. Amen. And uh, so a church like this, your mission's minded. You pray like this. So I'm just kicking the embers and flanning the flames, you know. So um, there is some words that Jesus gave to the disciples before he went up and was ascended into heaven. Some of his last words were directed, we, we can call them the Great Commission because He gives us uh, these directives. They're not options. They're told us what to do. Amen. And how many of you are so thankful for your salvation? And as you have freely given, we need to be in the mode of freely giving. Yes. Amen? Just letting it be a conduit, letting it be something that flows out of us. And so... Jesus said this, and if you want to look in your Bibles over into Acts, um, the first chapter. And as he was talking, he, he, he was telling the disciples about the power and authority that has been given him. And they thought, well, we're going to be a kingdom again. And uh, you know, when, is, when is the uh, kingdom going to be restored to his people and he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that has been put into my hands, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And what a wonderful promise we have, a promise of power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost? You know, and we have Holy Ghost meetings and, you know, and it's wonderful. Sometimes people get taken up with the expression of our Pentecostal experience. Um, you know, we like to have the goosebumps and the run and, you know, like these meetings. But, you know, it's for a purpose. And that's to be a witness. And what's really cool, too, is that he gives us four targets. He talks about Jerusalem. Do you know that we all have Jerusalems? It's your, it's your uh, neighborhood. It's your town. It's your community. It's the people you rub shoulders with. You know, so that's your Jerusalem. Your Judea is your, the, like your nation. People of like culture. Samaria would be people who have different backgrounds, different ethnic uh, backgrounds, people dif- that look different, different skin color. Do you know there's no racism in the kingdom of God? Exactly. Amen. And it doesn't matter 
what you look like. God loves the world. Amen. Amen. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Amen. And uh, so, He also said this though. The uttermost part of the earth. And I think it's significant that we're, we're even talking about it here in church. Among the body of Christ today is that we need to remember those who are in the uttermost. And we can touch them. You know, it was interesting. 30 years ago, there was a book that we got exposed to called Operation World. And it would go through the different people groups that were in the world. And it would give prayer projects and kind of get you oriented. Has anybody... Have that book, Operation World. It's a great missions tool. It's a great way to touch the world through prayer. And we need to have tools that help us pray and touch the world through prayer. Operation World. Um, so, you know, we, we started getting uh, exposed to this thing of like, let's get connected. Let's see where these people live and let's, let's see how we can engage with them, how we can pray for them. And as... As we've done this, um, we've seen a progression. Um, 30 years ago, it, it was noted that there were 14,000 unreached people groups. Do you remember what Sue said, ours, where we're at now? 14,000. That's been cut in half, right? So in 30 years, we've made a huge dent. And you know what it was? It was the church praying. It was different. And you know what? It wasn't just the Pentecostal churches. There's denominational churches that it's come up to them. And everybody is joining in prayer for this, for the harvest. Being uh, obedient to the words of Jesus. Pray the Lord of the harvest that He'd send forth labors. Amen? So, no matter where we are engaged in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth, you know, it's not a, a progressive... Uh, reach that we have, that we first reach our Jerusalem and then we go to our Judea and then our Samaria. No, I've heard it taught like that, that you have to focus like that. But you know, you, it'll never happen. If if that's the case, then the Apostle Paul was not obedient to Scripture, right? Because he didn't stay in Jerusalem. He was a missionary, amen. <laughs> but I believe this, we all shouldn't be engaged in those simultaneously, all at the same time. Amen? And so what do we do in reaching this? Well, we pray, but also we need to have the gospel on our lips. In Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The gospel is power. Amen. We have a friend who, um, I remember Smith Wigglesworth saying, one word of God can change somebody's life. Just one word. Do you believe that? God spoke and the worlds were formed. Well, God speaks and things happen. And if you have just one word of God, it can change. There was one guy, and I don't have time to go through the whole story, but this guy, his dad was was, uh, saved. He, He lived up by Everest up in the Kumbu region of the Himalayas, high mountain area. Very few Christians. Years ago when he was a boy, um, uh, his dad went to India and just to work and make money and come back just to, you know, just to help his family. They were so poor. He heard the gospel when he was in India, gave his heart to Jesus, came back. When he came back... Um, he was thinking, what am I gonna, how am I going to tell my family that I'm a Christian now? And uh, when he came back, he was confronted with the news that his, his uh, wife was dying. And uh, uh, they didn't know why. He went into the house. Everybody's crying. Can you imagine? And then getting confronted with that, it kind of hit him too. And he was sitting there looking at her in bed. She's just on, in her last minutes. And he remembered... A word from God. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so he, he gets up in his house. All these people, family, friends are there. They're all crying. He said, I got something to tell you. 
says, I'm a believer in Jesus. He is my Lord. He gave a witness of his faith in Christ. And he goes, and Jesus said, I could lay hands on my wife and she'd recover. So he walks over. He goes, I'm going to do it. And he laid hands on her. In the name of Jesus, be healed. You know what? She was completely healed right there. Sat up in bed. And the story doesn't end there because this, this guy's uncle, the dad, dad's brother. If you, are you following me? I don't have a lot of um, he was a witch doctor, and he this guy guy was ticked off. The witch doctor was mad that something cool happened, and he had nothing to do with it. And so he cast a, a spell, a curse, on his brother, and uh, the curse causeless will not come. So that curse just bounced off of uh, this guy's dad, bounced back on that witch doctor, and the witch doctor knew what happened. Because he deals with the Spirit and he felt that come back, he started to die right there. Went back to his house and he was scared. He was going to try to do something with what he knew to do to try to save himself. And his brother found out about it, the Christian, the one who has a healed wife now, went over to the house, said, hey, I know what you did. And uh, I want you to know that I laid hands on my wife and she was healed. Would you like me to pray for you? He said, yes, yes. He laid hands on his witch doctor brother and he was healed. That curse was broken. He gave his heart to the Lord. And you know what happened then was that witch doctor ended up, uh, well, he's not a witch doctor now. He's an apostle now. He, he planted 15 churches up in the Kumbu region. There's no white missionary anywhere. One word of God. One word of God. So... You know, that's the power of the gospel. So we know this. Mark 16. I'm going to just touch this because of time. But Mark 16, 15. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we see that there is a proclamation of the gospel that needs. And everybody needs to hear a proclamation. You know, the gospel doesn't need explanation in some settings, right? I mean, we do it, you know, when we're teaching and stuff. But some people just need to hear He's Lord. Because right there, the preaching of the gospel is what Jesus told us to do. Go and proclaim. And the target is every creature. But if you go over to Matthew 28... 18 through there, he says, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples of every nation. And so we see a different target there. We see instead of every individual, the target for discipleship is every nation. And if you look at that word uh, nation, it's from the Greek word ethnos, as Sue said before. But um, that's where we get people group. Ethnos, every ethnic group. And there is the, the goal of this, the, the objective, kingdom objective, is that every unique nation, every people group would have discipleship. So that's more than the proclamation. Amen? What I like to look at it as is like it's a coin. A coin. The, the Great Commission is like it a quarter, you know, or, or a nickel or a dime. There's an inscription on both sides. One side is proclamation of the gospel. The other side is discipleship. And he goes on and he explains and he says, teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you to, to do. So you have, and, and so you know what happens when you rub off one side or sketch off one side of a coin? It's no longer a legal tender, Right? And uh, so we need to be connected with both discipleship and proclamation, the preaching of the word. Amen. And when we do that, we're involved in the Great Commission. Amen. We need that power to help us be a witness. But this is what we're to do with that power. And that's proclaim and that's to disciple. That's why we want to see churches planted. We want to see church planting movements you know, there's places in the world you cannot have a church like this. They won't let you. The church looks different. They're in homes. 
They're like what we would call a small group. They're a church. Yeah. Amen? But that's the only way that the church can advance in some of these countries. So it, we just need to focus on what Jesus told us to do. Proclaim and teach. Amen? Amen. And you know, as Jesus, um, as Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24, 14, and Sue made uh, note of that, it's like we're in a race. And there's a start to a race, and then there is a finish line. You know, we're getting closer to that finish line. Amen. Jesus said, go. That was the, that was the gun. Right. You know, when you, you have a race, you have that starter. Bang! Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Some people, they think they read about Jesus' ministry, and they said, He said it's finished, so we're finished. No. He said He's finished, the work's finished, but He told us to go. Amen? And we're, we still got a lot of work to do. Amen? But that finish line is, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness among every nation. And then the end shall come. And I don't know when the rapture is going to take place, but I know until it does, we got to be at work. we got to be doing what Jesus told us to do. When you get past the finish line, there is a celebration. You know what that celebration? Over in Revelation 7, 9. I beheld and there was a great multitude of people. Can you imagine this? You're going to be there. We'll be there. I'll be there. Amen. You look to your right and to your left, there's going to be every tribe, kindred, every tongue, every language. And what are we going to be doing? We're going to be worshiping the Lord. Now, there's a mission phrase, and it says this. Missions exist because worship doesn't. What that means is that among 7,000 people groups in the world today, they don't know Jesus. They're not worshiping. Missions exist because we want to populate that crowd that's around the throne. Amen? So if you haven't been connected... You know, if it's not been on your radar, I want to encourage you. Start to pray. We started praying and pretty soon God sent us. Man, we love it. We're called to it. But you, even if you didn't, you can, you could bring the gospel to a whole people group just through your prayer. Amen? One word of God brought 15 churches up into the Everest region. Just think what your prayer mixed with the Word of God could do to extend the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Brother David, thank you for this time. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Glory to God. Stand up with me.